The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Our scripture this morning comes from Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 11. Cry loud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask me, they ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no advantage and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such a fast that I chose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this fat the fast that I chose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall say, you shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy, satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then shall your light rise in darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's thank God for his word. And we have spent, um, if you have been with us the past couple of weeks, you know that we wrapped up our um, sexual wholeness series, which, which was exciting and, and beneficial to um, many of us. And now, today... Um, as you know, um, this week we approach Ash Wednesday, the, 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 the introduction of the season of Lent. So I have been taxed to, to preach about fasting. And, and I want to talk this morning, entitled the message, um, Make Room for What's Best. Making room for what's best. And, and if I was a betting man... I will bet that many of your lives are filled with, with good things, filled with church, school, um, 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 sporting events, caring for your family, and maybe our lives are filled with good things, but maybe our lives are also filled with some, with some not so, so good things. But, the, but, but what I'm excited about um, as we approach Lent, is that Lent gives us the opportunity to 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 let go of maybe some of, of those good things to make room for what's best. And then I, I know when you probably hear the word fasting, 
or or we gonna talk about fasting. I've never met anyone who who was excited to fast. Maybe you're that one person. I've never met anyone who was excited, eager to go to a fasting seminar because most of us don't don't get excited about giving up the good things in our life that we enjoy. So for many of us, fasting might might scare us. But as I have been kind of prepping and praying over the past couple of weeks, I really felt like God has begun to change my perspective towards fasting. Instead of viewing fasting as something that, that, that I'm temporarily losing, I want us to begin to view fasting as, as something that, that we're gaining, that we're not losing the good in our life, but, but, but we are now letting go of the good so we can get the best, so we can get the greater. So I want to talk this morning about making room for what's best. And before preaching, will you um, bow as a quick word of prayer and just ask God to steady our hearts and open our hearts and minds to, to receive his word. Dear God, I pray just that. I pray, Lord, that you truly do a work in our hearts, our minds, ease our fears, silence our doubt. Lord, for the person who may not believe and trust that you really are good, I pray, Lord, that through your word, you show us all just how good you really are. Lord, I pray right now that I decrease and you increase, and Lord, that you speak through me in a powerful way. I pray this next in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, the truth is, we are living longer, but we are living sicker. The good news is that in America, the life expectancy is that we are living longer, but the bad news is that we are just living sicker. This is the argument that Dr. Michael Greger um, makes in his book, How Not to Die. He shows us that over the past 60 years, the good news is that the average life expectancy has increased from, from 54 to now 73, but he says the proportion of life spent in good health has not changed. So he says, yes, we are in fact living longer but we're just living more sick. We're just more sick. And, 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 and as you go throughout his book, he keeps making this argument that, yes, we should celebrate that modern medicine has increased. But we also need to see the fact that even though we are living longer, we are just living longer to, be, to spend more time unhealthy and sick. And as you flip throughout the pages of his book, you see he makes the argument over and over again that what's causing this sickness is you may be able to guess a unhealthy diet. Our unhealthy diet allows us to, yes, through medicine, live longer, but we are spending more days sick. He says a poor diet is the main cause for many of the diseases in our nation. And, and Dr. Greger spent over a thousand um, um, visits observing doctors meeting with their patients, and he said, on average, the doctor only spent 10 seconds asking their patients about their diet. 
And he says, how insane is this that studies show that our diet is the main cause of sickness and the people entrusted to help us overcome our sickness don't even talk to us about our main problem. Yes, we are living longer, but just because we're living longer doesn't mean we are living good now. And I have come to realize that oftentimes our diet, we settle for what is good. And yeah, I'm not no health freak. I'm not no life personal coach. I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now, yeah. But I have come to find out that we often settle in our diet with what is good and easy. And oftentimes the good, quick, and easy make us lose an appetite for actually what is best. Um, true story, y'all. Growing up, I could not, in my childhood, I could not, and I'm not exaggerating, I could not drink 100% real freshly squeezed orange juice. Not because I was allergic to it, but because in my entire childhood, my mom never purchased real 100% natural orange juice. She, she purchased this right here. She, she purchased this, this bright and early. Now, 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 this got me through my childhood, so I'm not beating up my mom. But I, have, but I, I came to find out that bright and early is made by high C. <laughs> Do y'all see the, um, um, and, and I could not drink real orange juice because every morning I became accustomed to drinking artificially flavored false, false claiming orange juice. And yeah, I have vivid memories of waking up in the morning, grabbing this card and reading excellent source of vitamin C and thought I was making a healthy choice. And I looked on the back of that card now and it's only 20% vitamin C. So I was really just drinking sugar water every morning, but because I became accustomed to, to, to what tasted good that was cheap and easy, I, I lost an appetite for what was real nutritious and fulfilling and I know this church is full of healthy eaters and marathon runners but I know some of y'all can relate with me on on how we on how we reject the five-star dining experience to go eat at Applebee's we reject Sunday's dinner at grandma's house to, 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 to eat a cheap microwavable hot pocket. We, we reject um, 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 some good food to, to eat fried bologna. What I'm trying to say is that, is, that, is that because we have become so used to what's good, we have lost an appetite for what's great. And this is the argument that Dr. Michael Gregor makes. He says, yes, we are living longer, but we are living sicker because of our physical diet. And likewise, Dr. Prophet Isaiah makes a similar argument. He says, Christians, we indeed are in fact living longer, but we too are living sicker because of our spiritual diet. He says, yes, Christians, you will live longer. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, you will spend eternity in paradise singing the praises of God most high. Um, um, you will live forever. That's the good news that we can celebrate today. But in the meanwhile, in the meantime, because of your spiritual diet, you are living sick right now. 
And we choose what feels good in the moment, hoping to be fulfilled and affirmed, longing for pleasure and joy. And now we have no room for the one who can truly satisfy our every need because we are full with the toys in this world. I can't help but think about C.S. Lewis and the weight of glory. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord Jesus finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. But like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the, by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are too easily pleased settling for the quick fixes of this world and not making room for the everlasting joy offered to us by God. And as we approach this season of Lent, the, the 40 days of intentional fasting to, to, to focus our heart and mind on God, I, I don't want this sermon to just come off as, hey, y'all, it's time to fast, so let's fast. That's not my goal for this sermon. And I don't want us to view fasting as something we got to work hard to do to, to show our devotion to God. Instead, I want us to, to examine our spiritual diet. And I want us to, to, to maybe let go of some of the good things in our life so we can really experience what's best. And if you don't hear anything else, please hear this. The only thing, the main thing I want you to know is that God wants you to let go of what's good to receive his best. And before I move on and, and really hop into Isaiah 58, I want to also know that, the, that letting go of, what, of what's good does cost. It may actually be painful to let go it may even be grievous. But God promises in his word that the reward of letting go is worth the cost. So let's make room for best by changing our spiritual diet. And I want to point out two things in our spiritual diet that we need to change. The first thing that Isaiah 58 shows us that we need to change is we need to change using religion to manipulate and control God. And you might not think you're guilty of that, but let's look at verse 1 again. God, speaking to Isaiah, tells Isaiah, cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgressions. Declare to the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And now they say, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? 
So God commands Isaiah to shout with the voice of a trumpet to the entire nation their sins. And you would think that, that God is about to tell Isaiah that, that, that they are just a sinful nation. They are serving these false gods. They are celebrating wickedness. But, but God, sorry, Siri, but God says something totally different. God says they aren't seeking these false gods. They are seeking me daily. And the first time I read this, I was like, did, did I read this right? Um, I would think that God would say, tell them their sins. They are living this outward wicked life. But God says, no, they are seeking me daily. They are coming to me. They, they are asking me um, 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 what, what is the righteous thing to do in our lives. But then God says, but now they are starting to get mad with me. They are starting to fast and do these religious activities, and now they are getting mad because I'm not responding how they want me to respond. And they are looking up to heaven and saying, God, why are we suffering? Why are we fasting? Why are we doing all, all of these good things for you, and you are not answering us? And maybe you have felt this way. Maybe you feel this way right now. God, I'm going to church I, I got to Sunday school on time this morning. Um, 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 I put my kids in the Christian school. I'm being faithful to my spouse. God, I'm doing everything right. Why aren't you answering my prayer? God, I, 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 I worked hard. I was the first one at work every day. I put you first. I treated everybody right. Why did I get chosen for that job? God, I went to school every morning, treated my classmates right. I got a 4.0. Why am I not getting accepted into my dream school? And now because we did all of these things, we prayed, we fasted, we did all of these religious activities, and, and now we are looking at God, questioning him, saying, God, why haven't you answered us? And God says, Isaiah, tell them what they're saying is. Tell them, yes, you did seek me. Yes, you did do these things. But verse 3, God says, on the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasures. On the day that you did all this, you weren't doing it for me. You were seeking your own pleasure. You are using religious activities, religious practices as a way to control God. Not seeking God out of a pure heart, but seeking God to give you what you want. Yes, you believe in God, but yes, you're still trying to use God to get what you want. Y'all get what I'm saying? I was, um, a couple weeks ago, Jay and the kids were out of town visiting her family, so I had the weekend to myself. Boy, do I love these weekends. I had the weekend to myself, and I decided to go get me um, something to eat, to eat at a restaurant, and I went to Rafferty's, and, and the line was out the door, so I said, you know what, I'm going to sit at the bar and have a quiet meal to myself, and I sat beside a couple that seemed to be going through some some problems and I could just tell but I was trying to have a quiet dinner to myself but the woman started looking at me because her husband was talking to her and she started talking to me and she said what you do for a living and I was like man I don't feel like having this combo 
And I was like, um, um, I pastor the esteemed great downtown church. And she said, I've been looking for a church. Do y'all um, run around and shout and speak in tongues? That's the type of church I need. I said, we ain't that type of church, but I can send you um, to a church like that if you want. And she said, you know what? I really need to talk to a pastor because I'm mad at God right now. I said, what's going on? She said, Psalms 37, 4 says, if you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And I delighted in God, and he still ain't giving me what I wanted. I went to church a couple times. I stopped drinking. I don't do that no more. And God still hasn't come through for me. What's the problem? Either his word isn't true or he don't care about me. And I said, I hear you. And I feel exactly what you're saying. But I said, let's, let's walk through that verse. Delight yourself in the Lord. I said, let's stop right there. Delight yourself in the Lord. What does that mean? What does that look like? I said, your husband right there, I said, how would you feel if he only spoke to you when he needed you to do something for him? I said, well, would you feel cared for? Would you feel valued? Would you feel delighted in? She said, no. I said, would you, how would you feel if your husband only was nice to you when he was trying to get something from you? How would you feel? She said, I, she said, I ain't going for that. And, and I said, so what does it mean to delight in someone? When you delight in someone, it means that you just enjoy being with them for them. Not looking for anything in return. And I remember, uh, I, I, don't know how long it, I don't know how long ago it was, but I remember when I first fell in love with Jay. I remember that, that, that um, 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 before me and her started today, I was going on several dates with with different people, and I really didn't, didn't care about anything. But when I met Jay, everything changed. And, and when I began to date her, the more time I spent with her, the more I delighted in her, and the more my thought, uh, I didn't have thoughts of going on dates with, 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 with anybody else. The more I delighted in Jay, I wasn't trying to get anything from Jay, but I just loved and enjoyed being with her. And the more I delighted in, in her, my desires began to, in a sense, conform towards Jay. And God's word says that when we delight in him, he then will give us the desires of our heart. But the problem is often that we start with our desires, and then we come to God saying, God, I know my destination. Now I want to use you as a means to get to my destination. And I told this woman at the bar, I said, I said, God is not like that. God wants you to come to him for him, and then he will give you what you need. We can't say this is what I need and then come to God and try to manipulate and control him to give him, to, to give us what we want and what we need. God says, I ain't no sucker. You can't play me like that. Yes, I do see you fasting, Israel. I do see all the hard things you're doing, people. I do see everything you're doing, but I also see your heart, and you are doing it only seeking your own pleasure. And I want, as we approach this season of Lent, to even begin to, in, in our own hearts, ask ourselves the question, what may I be using to manipulate God? subconsciously, what, what are the things in my life that I think make me a better Christian than those Christians over there? 
What, do I, what am I using to, to earn more favor in God's sight than just being his child, being his daughter and son? And not only did Israel seek their own pleasure, but on the day of fast, God says, you, you also oppress all of, your, all of your workers. And this is another change needed in our spiritual diet. Um, and I'm calling this, we need to change in our spiritual diet, selfish individualism. A love for self that prevents you from seeing the needs of your neighbors. I feel like Richard today, y'all. Excuse me, I'm, I'm parched. <laughs> wow. Here's the thing. Okay, I'm just glad. We need to change in our diet selfish individualism. God says in verse 4, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Verse 6, God says, it's not just the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of, of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. God is showing us that fasting isn't just about our relationship with him, but it's about our relationship with our, our community. Um, oftentimes, I think in, in the American westernized church, the Christian mindset is that we view our relationship with God as just that, my relationship with God. And we can detach my relationship with God away from um, my relationship with my neighbors, with, with my community. So, so it allows throughout history people to be so devoted to God and treat human beings without the God-given dignity. And God says, you are even seeking me. You're seeking me daily. You're trying to do all of these religious activities, but you can't even love the person that you see. Um, John says it this way in 1 John chapter 1. He says, if anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he sees with his own eyes cannot love God whom he has never seen. And yeah, I was thinking about this. I was like, how crazy is this? I pray to God. I say, God, I devote myself to you. I'm willing to give up all of my resources to you. I say, everything I have is yours. And I have never seen God with my physical eyes. But the people that I see in person, I don't have that same love or kindness or, or, um, or being willing to give of myself to them. And God shows us all Throughout Scripture, Jesus even said the, the greatest commandment is what? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and likewise to love your neighbor as yourself. Not love your God and then maybe think about your neighbors. No, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And God shows us not just through Jesus saying that, but even here in Isaiah, that our relationship with him is not just a, um, that fasting. It's not just about our relationship with God, but it's about our relationship with each other. 
you love me, but you hate those Christians over there. You love me, but you, but you hate, I, I don't even feel like going into details. You love me, but, but you can just walk past this, this brother or sister in need every day. It says, hide not even from your own flesh. And I, and I know we all got that family member who, who every time we see them call, we just like, they, I already know they want some more money. I ain't going to even pick up. God's word says, don't even hide from them. Even if you know what they, even if you know. This is the word of God. To, to, to share your wealth with those who are hungry. That if you see someone naked, to cover him. To loosen the bonds of wickedness that plagues low-end communities. To treat everyone with God-given dignity. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. And the truth is, is that because I just read these words, there are many evangelical Christians who will try to discredit me by calling me a Marxist or a socialist and say, oh, he just preaching that, that, that new trendy social gospel. And I want us to see that this is not some trendy social gospel. This is the heart of God. The truth is that God blesses us, not just that, that God doesn't just bless us to, to, because he just loves us so dearly. No, God blesses us to be a blessing to somebody else. That's even a, a, a prosperity gospel that, that says God wants to bless you. God wants you to live your best life now. God wants you to have that new fancy car. God wants you to um, 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 have all of the wealth and riches only thinking about yourself. And God says that's not the diet that, that, that I recommend. The diet that I recommend is you being blessed to bless others. That God blesses us by saving our souls, bringing us from death to life, giving us eternal life. God blesses us by being our prince of peace, the shepherd who meets our every needs, not for us to keep God to ourselves. So now we can go out into this world and bless the world by telling them of the one who can meet your every need and satisfy your soul. God wants us to care about our community. And I was talking with someone um, just this past week about this, kind of um, talking with this sermon. And my friend, she said, she said, man, I'm, I'm scared to fast. Um, and what, if, like, what if God really changes me? <laughs> like, like, what if I give up this and I never go back to it? Like, it's, it's scary. And I told her, I said, yeah, I, like, I feel you. It is scary. Like, I want to change. Do I really want to be changed? And I began to think about our biggest problem is not that we don't believe in God. I think our biggest problem is that we believe in God, but we don't believe God, if that makes sense. We believe in God, but we don't believe that he's better. I can't help but think about the man who brought his son to Jesus and said, Jesus, will you heal my son? And Jesus said, you have to believe. And the man said, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. This is how I feel so often. God, I truly believe Psalm 16 says that, 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 that in your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hands are pleasures forevermore. That's what I want, God. I believe that, but at the same time, I don't believe 
that you're better than 30 more minutes of sleep. God, I believe your word that says, blessed is the man who meditates on my word day and night. He will be fruitful. He will be satisfied by, by, by meditating on the words of God. I believe that, but when it's time to lay down and I turn on that latest season of that brand new a Netflix show, and I spend my entire night binge-watching an entire season. I don't believe, God, that you're better than this. I believe you're good, but at the same time, I, I'm still struggling to believe that you're better. In church, that's okay. I, I read something, I don't know where I read it up, but they said, view fasting not as trying to be perfect, but as a journey. That, that enter into this season of Lent saying, God, this is who I am. God, I actually am scared. I believe you, but, but, but God, help my unbelief. But God, as, as I begin to let go of what's good, I'm trusting that you're going to show me something greater and better. As we just sung that song, I will wait on you. I will wait on you. I didn't know we was going to sing that song, but I was like, that is my prayer for us all. That as we begin to let go of the good, God, we are waiting on you, trusting that you're going to show us how you are better than the toys of this world. And this leads me to my last point this morning, and I'm going to sit on down and, and get out your way. And the last point I have is that the cost of letting go is great, but the reward is greater. God promises to meet true blasting, <laughs> true fasting with true blessing. The cost of letting go is great, but the reward is greater. He promises to, to, to the woman who trusts in him. Three blessings that I want us to see. The first blessing that God promises us is Christ's presence and protection. He says in verse 8, when you let go, then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up, uh, spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go up before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear end. I, I love this verse right here. It says, your righteousness shall go before you, and your righteousness shall be your rear end guarding you. When I first read this, I thought, oh, my righteous living, my, my righteous life is going before me, and God is behind me protecting my backside. But no, this righteousness does not refer to your righteousness. It refers to Christ, who is your righteousness, if you have placed your faith in Jesus. And it says that Christ, your righteousness, he is the one going before you, leading you protecting you, blessing you with his presence, and he's also behind you. That, that The good news is that if you are in Christ, you are protected, you are safe. And the second blessing is, is Christ, God's promise to give you guidance. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you nonstop, continually. And many times in our life, we don't know what to do. We don't know what job to take, what school to, to go to, what should I do with this problem in my family? And oftentimes we struggle because we are trying to fix the problem on, on our own. And God says, I want you to stop and let go of control and trust me. I will be your guide. I will be your guide. And the third blessing that I want us to see is that God promises you when you 
trust in him and let go, he promises you joy and satisfaction. It's almost backwards because we spend our whole lives thinking that the way to joy and satisfaction is by holding on and keeping everything tight. But God says, no, it's backwards. It's actually when you let go and give to others. He says in verse 11, the Lord will satisfy you, your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered plant. Like a watered garden, like a spring of water who waters do not fail. God says the promise of the blessing that I have for you is joy. And it's not the joy that you're thinking about. I love the fact that God says I will give you joy in a scorched land. I will give you joy in a burnt up situation. I will give you joy in the middle of a California wildfire. That's when I will give you joy. And I can't help but think about Leah in the Old Testament. Um, Leah was married to Jacob. And many of you know Jacob married her, but Jacob really didn't love her. Jacob didn't even want to be married. And the only thing Leah wanted was for someone to love her, to see her and accept her. And she got pregnant, and she bore a son, and she literally said, oh, wow, now Jacob is going to love me. I have bore him a son. And Jacob said, thank you for the son, and kept it moving. She bore another son, and she said, yes, Jacob is going to love me finally. And Jacob, nothing changed. She gave birth to three sons, and she literally said, I have given this man three sons. He has no choice but to finally love me and see me and meet my heart fulfillment and nothing changed and she got pregnant again and she had a fourth son and you would think that she would say okay maybe maybe God 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 just just finally let Jacob love me no she said this time she said I don't care about Jacob I don't need his love because I'm going to praise God because I have received his love she said I don't care about I've been searching my whole life for this, and I finally found it in God. In the middle of a scorched land, in the middle of, of not being loved, being in a marriage where she wasn't wanted, she still said, I'm, I'm able to truly praise God because he sees me. He loves me. He cares for me deeply. For the past 20-some years, I've been searching for it in here, but now I have finally learned to delight in the Lord, and he has given me the desires of my heart. I can't help but think about Helen Lamel. Maybe you've never heard this name, Helen Lamel, but I'm sure you have been impacted by her life, whether you heard of her name or not. Well, Helen was born in England in 1863, and she was born with a true and deep love for music. And her parents provided the best vocal training that money could buy at this time. And she moved to Germany hoping to, to pursue a career in music and to be a big stage singer. And, and one day, she met a strapping young lad, and she fell in love with this wealthy, well-to-do gentleman. And, and they got married, and she was living her dream career, and, and life was bliss. And all of a sudden, life turned sour. Life turned upside down. She lost her, her, her vision. She became blind, and with losing her vision, she lost her husband. Her husband left her. 
this man who was who unnamed throughout history left her, and now she is a, a divorced woman with no income, with no money. She was in a depressed state of life until one day she read these words from a gospel tract. She read these words, turn your eyes upon him. Look full into his face. And you will see that the things on earth will acquire a strange new dimness. And Helen said that as she read those words, she just stood there. She couldn't even move. And she said her soul and spirit began to sing. And she sung the words in her heart, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things on earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Helen was 55 years old when she lost her sight and lost her husband, and she spent the rest of her life until 98 years old living on government uh, assistance. And she devoted the rest of her life to writing gospel hymns, and it said that she wrote over 500 hymns in her lifetime. So from 55 to 98, she lived her life blind, with no wealth, with nothing in a scorched land, but everyone says about her she was always full of life and joy. And how ironic is it that a blind woman wrote the words, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look to his wonderful face and the things that you're worried about, the things that has your heart such in the, in the um, tight spot, will grow strangely dim when we receive the grace and the presence of God. So my prayer for us downtown is that we too turn our eyes upon Jesus. And that we just don't, um, if you're like me, I honestly didn't grow up in a church that practiced Lent or, or Ash Wednesday. My first time hearing about it, I was like, what? Ash Wednesday? But, but I'm honestly excited to practice Lent this season. Because I'm excited to let go of some of the good things that, that are keeping me from receiving what God says his best is for me. So may we too make room for what's best. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for your word. And I pray and ask, Lord, that you silence our doubt, that you remove our fear, and that you allow us to trust you in a deeper way. Lord, answer our prayers. But Lord, I pray more than just giving us what we want. I pray, Lord, that you give us a fulfillment, a joy, a deep peace that nothing in this world can take away. I ask this and pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. the Lord's blessing over your life. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his faith towards you and give you peace. Be blessed, downtown church.